welcome to the University of Michigan SHIP Alumni Podcast Series. This is your host, Gabriella, and I'm super excited to kick off our third episode entitled Managing Healthy Emotions. Today, we will be talking with the University of Michigan SHIP alumni to discuss how they maintain their mental health despite the stressors that they encounter in their personal and work life, as well as how the acts of sharing what we know typically brings a sense of fulfillment. Let's welcome our alumni, Elio Murillo. Elio was born in Ecuador and grew up between New York City and Puerto Rico. He is a first-generation student in the U.S., and he recently graduated with a master's degree in systems engineering and design from the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, in 2017, where he also graduated with a mechanical engineering degree in December of 2015. Currently, Elio is working as a space system engineer at Blue Origin. How are you doing, Elio? Hey, I'm excited that this is happening with the ship chapter. Thank you for thinking of me and inviting me in this podcast. I, I really hope that I can share from a lot of the wisdom, a lot of wisdom that I've collected in recent years after graduation. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much. We're really happy to have you and glad that you were able to make the time to speak with us. Um, I guess, where are you calling from today? I live in L.A., I live pretty close to downtown LA and my work is now fully remote, but oh, wow. I have been here since, since I graduated, I guess I moved here in 2017 and it's been fantastic. LA is an awesome city. I bet it is, especially with the weather. We're having a lot of snow over here right now. Something about that brought me over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess now that you're mentioning that you are working remotely, um, I think that that is something that started even more once that the pandemic um, occurred. What are your thoughts on working from home versus in the office or a combination of both and how it can affect your mental health? Sure. Um, I think it really all has to do with your personal style, first of all. And there's a lot of discipline involved as well. But in my specific case, I never stopped working in person through the pandemic. Uh, during that period of time in 2020, I was part of the Mars 2020 mission at NASA JPL. That's the most recent Mars rover that Mars rover and helicopter that, that got to Mars. I was very involved in that. And we could talk about that a little bit, but um, it's been almost exactly three years actually now that we're talking about it yeah. since LA uh, went into lockdown. And um, at the time for this rover, this is one of the crazy things that puts things into perspective. The universe doesn't care if there's COVID or if there isn't COVID on planet Earth. Like that just doesn't matter to the universe as a whole. And when you work in the space industry, you're constantly working against the universe's wills and wishes. Um, in our particular case, we had to launch in July of 2020 and that launch window that we had for our particular mission was about a month long. And the reason it was selected, it's because of how the planets position themselves, earth relative to Mars and, and vice versa, and how you have to get your spacecraft in a particular trajectory to make sure that you have a controlled insertion into the Martian atmosphere. That's a lot of blah, blah, blah. But basically... Um, you can't miss that launch window. If you yeah. miss that launch window, um, you got to wait 26 months to do it, to try again. And what does that mean? 
waiting 26 months in our particular case meant that we needed $500 million to continue operating our teams, our hardware, our labs, our facilities. So imagine going to your boss right, and saying, hey, we missed the deadline. I need $500 million. In our case, our boss was United States Congress. People wouldn't yeah. have been too happy about that. Um, so we had no choice than to keep pushing forward. And we were just months out at that point because this lockdown happened in March of 2020. Uh, launch was going to be in July of that year. So we had to rethink, re-strategize our approach at the time when it came to putting together the, the spacecraft as well as the testing campaign we were doing. It was maybe a week and a half or so of people kind of figuring out there was a little bit of a freeze. We didn't quite know what we needed to do um, because, you know, people at first were like, ah, we're going to be at home for a week. Like that's yeah. what it's going to be. Right. And then, no, it became a more permanent thing. So we adjusted pretty quickly. We recognized what was about to happen. And uh, the team's willpower is incredible. I, I, I am so honored to have been part of that team and how we figured things out very quickly and we made it to the launch. Um, then through that, that's not, that's not just the defining factor in our case. After the launch, then there's the eight-month trajectory to Mars. This thing is still going. And then after that, it's your surface operations once the thing got to, to Mars. So it was a year and some of through the middle of the pandemic, through the worst of it, we're still going. I was hybrid. I was mission essential. So I was going in and out of the lab the entire time. I worked with hardware and worked with a bunch of tests. So I was always between the house and between the lab. Um, I never really had an opportunity to slow down and stop and think and reflect. I think a lot of people had a really, you know, it was it was a difficult time period, but overall, think there was some kind of um let's call it uh, there was some kind of awakening right that happened during okay. the pandemic and i think correct me if i'm wrong here for example in your case you were a student were, were you a student in the middle of this at university yes. uh so not at the university i was a student in high school dual enrolled school. at a community college yeah. Okay. I, I can't imagine what that would have been like <laughs> as a student, right? Like I, I have so much respect for the, the, the generation of students currently in, in school that went through that. remote learning because I, I, I saw it through some of my family members and some friends, and I just can't imagine having to do school remotely. Um, so I think depending on the context, it may or may not work for people. Um. At the end of the day, what pushed me through, because it was an incredibly stressful time, was the community that I had around me. I was very fortunate to have a solid set of roommates. We had our own bubble of friends that were very supportive with each other. And um, we were able to be very present for each other's struggles because all of us were not from LA. Mm -hmm. or not from LA, so we're all still around. We, we don't live together anymore, that crew in particular. But um, we were able to show up for each other. We were able to take each other out when needed. Um, we, 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 we gave each other a lot of love and support, which mm -hmm. was incredible thinking back on it. Because at the end of the day, um, I'm reading a book on, on on the largest study of happiness straight out of Harvard, mm -hmm. that or the longest ex extended period of uh, 
the extended experiment. It's like 75 years and still going. Um, and one of the biggest things that brings happiness to people is the quality of relationships that you have. And I'm not just talking yeah. romantic here. It's, it's the people around you, um, personal, mm -hmm. professional, romantic, platonic, whatever you want to define as relationships. It's so important. And we showed up for each other and we really made an effort to check in um, and, and bring each other up when needed. And that really pushes through. Now, in my specific case, Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening with a lot of the folks working the, the Mars 2020 mission from the get-go before the pandemic, we were already severely understaffed mm -hmm. and there, there were some underlying assumptions and there's some technical uh, emotioneering is what I like to call it. Not, not, not engineering. There's a lot of emotioneering in, in planning how, how things were going to plan out. Um, we were understaffed. We had way too much work for the individuals as we were going through and I never pulled an all-nighter in school. That, that's something I, I carry with myself Beautiful. very proudly because uh, I, I, I really took time blocking pretty seriously. Um, and, and I was an M-STEM, so they, they, they gave us some formulas to follow uh, at Michigan that I ended up really adapting to my own styles and, and it worked out for me. But here I am as an adult for the first time in my life, I ended up pulling like a, it was like a 36-hour shift. I'm not proud of that by any means. Yeah. Um, and it's something that was preventable. And I admittedly still uh, am working through this, but there's a degree of resentment with, with managers that allowed that to happen. Um, things got pretty intense because again, we had to meet the mission. This thing was on launched on its way to Mars it has to get through the atmosphere. We have to start operating it. A lot of things had to happen in the pandemic. So I was really buried in work. And then I definitely burned out. I'm still recovering. Um, yeah. it's not, it's not a good place to be in. And something I tell students and, and, and professionals alike is like, you, you really got to prevent getting in the spot because once you're in it, it is absolutely the most difficult thing to climb out of. Um, in my specific case, my burnout developed into depression. And this is a very recent thing. So I'm working through it. This is why I was telling you, once we're going to start talking about this, I'm going to get very real with you. Yeah. Um, I don't like to call it, and, and this, this I, I recently learned from one of my biggest, um, one of the people I most admire in the world, Simon Sinek, who for the greater, greater part of the decade since I was in school, um, if you haven't checked out his TED talk on, on, on start with why I highly recommend it. It's a pretty good TED talk. Then he has a whole book on the topic. Um, similarly, he has another book called eater uh, leaders eat last. Um, the whole thing is fantastic and, and very appropriate for, for ship uh, leaders and, 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 and members. I'll be but linking it in the description. <laughs> highly recommend these books. They're, 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 they're not too long. They're very insightful. Get to the point. He's great. Mm -hmm. And his talks are fantastic. Um, and recently I heard him on a podcast, the diary of a CEO where he comes on and he starts talking about a lot of the things that I'm going through. And, and it's interesting because in a way I have been emulating a little bit of his path in the, in the public outreach and, and public speaking engagements that I do mm -hmm. and, 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 and the things outside of my normal workday, um, 
and he's struggling with things like loneliness and 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 I have some 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 thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. Um he's struggling with relationships. He's struggling in his work-life balance and it's incredibly humbling I think for someone like him and and for me it was incredible to hear that someone that I look up to is is truly human and is going through it as well. Um one of the points he makes that I I I I really really resonated with is that when we talk about the topics of mental health, I think there's a really powerful reframing that we should start doing. Um, I think the, the, the 2020, 2021 brought a lot of awareness, right? And has kind of yeah. brought down the stigma of talking about these topics. Um, but mental health as a term is incredibly binary, right? It's either you're healthy or you're not. Or you're not. There's not and too much of a gray area. Yeah. So, so, and that's not real. That's, that's not how our days today go. It's like, you have mm-hmm. good days, you have bad days, you have your, your feelings, your emotions for whatever reason, a more appropriate term that I, I really liked um, was mental fitness, right? Just like in physical fitness, uh, you're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. It's something that you constantly exercise. You're not just one day I wake up great and that's it. That's, that's not how it goes. And it's similar with going to the gym and, 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 and having movement. It's, you know, it takes time to build up those muscles and a lot of tearing down has to happen. Uh, so that stronger muscles come in its place uh, so I thought that was a fantastic analogy because it's way more accurate with, with at least with my experience. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to this, right? It's it's my period of awakening is is happening kind of like right now. I I, I delayed it over the years because I was so engulfed in work, um, which basically I let go of a lot of things that bring joy to my life. And I'm and, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm being very conscious of that moving forward. In my particular case, um, don't get me wrong, I enjoy the work I do. Um, but because of the crazy amount of hours and 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 we can talk about Mars time and how brutal that was too. Um, I let go of things like surfing, dancing. Um, I wasn't as attentive to my friendships. Um, my love life took an incredible toll. Most recently, I think my, my, my current awakening is triggered because I had probably the most devastating heartbreak I've had in my life. Um, and, and, and working through that has been very insightful for a variety of reasons. Um, but these are all very human things and the, the, the ups and downs happen. And this idea that my mental health is just going to be okay one day is not true. Instead, I have to really approach it. Day to day, what can I do um, to keep that mental yeah. fitness going? Um, and that means a variety of different things for different people. Um, there's a bunch of tools to tap into for that, like therapy, um, like going outside, getting the sun. There's like the basic things that we should be doing as human beings, like eating appropriately, whatever that means to people, um, getting sun 
getting your vitamins. I think there's an incredible importance into physical fitness that I took for granted, especially as a student. And I've learned as an adult how much that matters and how you need to make time for uh, because our bodies are made to move. Um, And as engineers in particular, we are extremely stagnant and static. And that's, it leads to a lot of problems down the line. Um, So I'm making way more of an effort than I ever have in the past. Um, Practicing some degree of spirituality, whatever that means to people is incredibly important. And, and you cannot neglect that because it's, 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 it, it's a practice that make that forces you to look inward and, and having the check-ins and the insight of yourself and your self-awareness is the biggest act of self-love that you can do. Um, all of these different things are just different tools that you have to somehow, as much as you dedicate your time to your technical development and your academia and, and, and whatever your passion is, don't neglect yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, it will catch up with you. Right. And I think being in a podcast in an episode like this for me is incredibly important because oftentimes I'm invited to podcast to talk about my achievements and I've been making more of an effort of like, Hey, don't think that this is all I encompass. It's like, I struggle. I am learning and I am passing on this wisdom as best as I can um, because it's so important for people to not just romanticize what comes with engineering, which is beautiful. We, we, yeah. we have some of the best careers from a sense of uh, you get to be creative. You get to solve really hard problems. You get to work with people. You, you, you get to impact the world in very tangible ways. Um, but it doesn't come easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of up and ups and downs that that come through that. And just yesterday, actually, I was uh, in an interview because I am I'm I'm in the middle of releasing my my book, which I'll just have oh, to wow. tell you. Just share share the link. Um, had the opportunity of writing a memoir uh, with Harper Collins, and it's called The Boy Who Reached for the Stars. It's going to come out in English and Spanish. And to that point, when we were going through the questions, they were all very. Um, very uh, achievement oriented. Yeah. And at the end of the, the 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 interview, they asked me like, hey, is there anything you, you want to talk about? And I'm like, hey, listen, like, you know, because the person in particular had only finished about 70% of the book. So I was like, hey, like, I think a really important aspect of my book and in the exercise of writing the book was the reflection of my struggles and how a lot of it, you know, I, I, I I learned so much to move forward in specific ways that I am making an effort to talk about in the book uh, because I really don't want people to go through a lot of the pains that I went through, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So as much as it is incredible, right? Yeah, I I, I am incredible fulfilled, ful- incredibly fulfilled professionally because yeah, I got a spacecraft to Mars. I operated a, sur- a, 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 a rover on another planet. I flew the first helicopter flown outside of earth there's much more. I've been through the mud. <laughs> I've been yeah. through the mud and I've had a lot of people that have been able to sit with me in the mud. Um, and I've been able to sit with others in the mud in their respective struggles. And that is, I think, way more important for our individual growth than any acolytes and 
achievements that we may have. I don't know. I just went through a bunch of stuff here, but um, <laughs> no, I I totally dig agree into with anything. <laughs> um, I think I think it's very very admirable. First of all, that um, you're not only like sharing your uh, your achievements, but also talking about all of the areas in which you have struggled. Because I think that there, yes, there is a lot that people can grow from hearing about. Oh, this is how maybe he got that position or how he started working on that project. But I think that at the end of the day, especially, um, I guess, future generations, as they're approaching some point in life where you're at, they are struggling along the way, as probably as much as you are, at least to some extent. And I personally think, at least based on how I struggled in my first year in college, um, compassion has a lot, um, a huge impact on people's performance. And I think it can not only magnify their motivation to continue based on seeing someone else that has struggled, but it can also um, kind of show like, hey, they were like really in the lows and right now they're up here. So I think that if I'm in the lows right now, there is still some hope for reaching that high. And like you said, um, inevitably, there are going to be lows multiple times throughout the life. Um, I think that something... Uh, I know you mentioned, I think you saw a book or or the TED Talk. I recently was taking a Ross class and it was about manage, positively managing people in organizations. And um, it all goes back to uh, don't abandon yourself. Uh, you're a human being. And um, I think that positive emotions are very, very important. I think there's actually... I believe it's a three to one ratio where it's like for every negative emotion you experience, you need three times the positive emotions in order to actually make up for that. And it's all about being a whole individual. Um, so I, I totally agree with everything you mentioned. That's, let me, let me, I want to talk about that. Um, because one of the biggest contributors to my burnout um, this is very fascinating. I'm curious where this three to one comes from and if there's any scientific backing to it. It's There is. Um, I, I'd love to learn more about that. I would have to open my class notes. I'm not going to <laughs> but, I'm going to give you homework. But, yes, <laughs> but, it's, um, but basically it was about, I mean, the class, this was a, a separate Ross class. Um, it was about flourishing in work and life. And basically Beautiful. what it talked about was that, I mean, one how to make an organization you're a part of flourish, uh, but also to have that organization flourish, you should also work on yourself flourishing, um, just flourishing all over the place. And a lot of it was, um, it all comes down to how you network with people, how you, um, the culture that there is present, the roles that are present and the routines that you make. Um, and this, in terms of how to make this organization flourish, it could have been, for instance, the organization I selected was SHIP. Um, but there were certain people that were saying uh, the Michigan Lead Scholars uh, Program, or maybe it was just themselves. For some people, their organization was their family. How can their family um, flourish? And it was about, hey, like right now, all of the siblings were actually in college and they thought we rarely spend time together as a family. Maybe we can, when we're in break, establish a routine where it's like every dinner, we will spend it together. 
and um, everyone has a role within the family. Everyone is going to network with each other and keep those positive emotions, kind of accountability with each other of how everyone was, how everyone was doing. So that's where, and I promise there is a three to one ratio, positive um, emotions ratio. It is three to one. There is a study. I don't know the study. I, off the top of my head, but I will link it in the description as well. I think it's really beautiful that you chose that class. What year? What year are you? I'm a second year. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Uh, I truly admire you for for looking into such a class so early on. Um, it it is. I will say that the stuff you learn, especially in these leadership courses and leadership trainings, as especially if you're in ship. Um, it's going to come with a lot of practice as you move forward here in your leadership journey in ship or outside, whatever it is that yeah. that means for you. So yes. it's cool that you have this awareness and moving forward, it, it, it'll shape up as, as it needs to shape up for you. It's so true. A lot of this stuff is incredibly true. One of the leading, like one of the leading factors for me, like what contributed to my burnout um, last year, particularly, I was a manager mm -hmm. um, before I left JPL. And I took a very protector role with my team for a variety of reasons. And first of all, it was it was an incredible, it was an incredible honor of a lifetime. I, I actually managed a team that was all women. And then oh, there wow. was me, uh, which is very rare. And I, I did not take that yeah. for did not take that for granted. So part of that was me being conscious of how other external people would approach their work and approach them. Um, I was hypersensitive to the experience of women um, in my team because in other teams that I had been a part of, I had experienced, well, I had seen as, as an observer um, just like the, 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 the verbal bashing or the mistrust. Um, I, I, I witnessed, uh, sexual harassment, not directly, uh, but I witnessed that. And for a very long period of time, I, because, and, and this is kind of like a, it's an interesting thing. It's both a blessing and a curse. Um, I am highly empathetic. And what ended up happening in a lot of my teams is that I kind of became the emotional dump for a lot of people. And what ended up happening in particular with, with a lot of these struggles that I'm talking about, specifically with the women on the team, a lot of the women on the team felt safe with me. So they would tell me about everything that was going on and how they were talking to the different managers and, 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 and the experiences they were having with a particular individual. And the best I could do for them was just kind of empower them to speak up, right? I, I, I couldn't necessarily do much of that for them. Um, but it was a lot to handle. It can be draining. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was incredibly draining to be, at the end of the day, the emotional dump for a lot of people. And then after that, again, I became kind of a protector for my team, um, which was amazing. They're, they're all incredible engineers and they have contributed so much to the March 2020 mission, um, taking on that, that role of protector while managing the, the expectations.
expectations and their success and their well-being, um, it definitely drained drained me. It drained me. I think what I've learned from that ex- from those experiences is um, you need to hold space for people, but also at some point there needs to be some kind of boundary to be set. And 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 this isn't black and white. Is, yeah. is, is the big challenge is that you have to take things within context and case by case. It's not like I'm about to block myself off and never talk to people again about their problems. Right. Um, but being more methodical about if someone's going to talk to me about their problems, number one, listen effectively. But in the professional context, I am more conscious now of like, can, can things be actionable? Because I can't hold on to someone's issues just to hold on to them yeah. um, in a professional setting. Like it just, that just does not make any sense for a variety of reasons, my personal opinion. But if there's something actionable that I can help them in some way or form, then I want to pay more attention. Um, but I am definitely more conscious of receiving all of those emotions in a professional context because it is overbearing. It will lead to, um, I, I, I don't have a, a better word right now, but it, it is a distraction from whatever it is I have to do. It pushes away from myself, uh, flourishing that you were talking yeah. about. Um, it is growth though. I think it, one of the beautiful things that in, 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 in a lot of these periods of transitions and, and, and your lows, these are periods of growth that are blessings in disguise at the end of the day. Um, I'm becoming a better leader. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a better manager through all of it. So, um, yeah, I'm in agreement basically with a lot of the stuff you said that, Hey, focus on these routines. Don't let go of them. Learn to set boundaries that are important to you. And, 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 and I'm not saying cut off people because there's this awful, messaging going around in, 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 in social media. It's one of those things that I, I don't, I do not like about Insta therapy and TikTok therapy, um, that people are, 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 are defining boundaries as cutoffs, cut-offs. <laughs> as cutting Ghosting. people out. Um, <laughs> mm. and, and, and those are not the same thing. And obviously it's, it, it all depends on context, but again, going back to what I was talking about, the things that bring you happiness, um, is developing relationships, right? So, um, there's a lot to unpack in, in what I just said, but I think being mindful of these professional boundaries and professional relationships is just going to lead you to growth. Um, and in a way, if you reframe it kind of how I'm talking about it, it, it is at the end of the day, self help. Um, yeah. it helps you grow. Right. And, 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 and that's something difficult to do, but you know, I'm personally working through it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with, it's, it's so cool that you you took this class and they talked about this. No, it was, um, it was a business class, but it was surprisingly quite philosophical, um, which That's I really cool. loved. It was, I mean, it's very applicable to, I guess, just everyday life in my opinion. Um, and I, I actually have a quick question for you. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned how more recently or like right now, is when you're kind of entering this phase of realization that, hey, you kind of like abandoned yourself slightly um, because of work, because of a lot of stressors. How did you manage, so between the all-nighter, the Mars uh, 
the whole project that you were working on, being manager and receiving all of this information from like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the women in your team. How did you manage all of that? Um, and during the time, I guess, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. I don't know if I managed it well, uh, to be okay. completely honest. I think at some point I was overwhelmed and I wasn't checking in with myself. Something mm -hmm. that I'm actively practicing now every Sunday. So actually after this, um, mm -hmm. actively checking in on not just the technical tasks because your to-do list is your to-do list. So you manage that as you need to manage that. Um, but truly checking in on how you feel about certain things and whether they stir some kind of emotion within you and, and sitting in that emotion and think about whether or not there's an actionable thing to do based on how you feel about whatever issue, whatever positive project, whatever it may be. Having those periods of reflection is incredibly important. And I think I was not doing that for a long time. I was, I was definitely running in survival mode. Yeah. I think um, for many of us in the Latinx community, uh, there's an inherent pressure to achieve, right? For whatever reason we we come from, you know, whatever background, socioeconomic background. In my case, I you know, grew up low income, single mother household. Um, there was an underlying pressure to just always achieve in some way or form and to constantly have to prove myself that I am worth whatever. Um, so what that meant for me for a very long time, is just kind of keep pushing forward all the time, keep doing things, keep meeting the deadlines, keep excelling in my tasks, um, and just go, 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 go. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> Well, that I'm working through, at least. I, I had people that told me, hey, you need to slow down. I had to take it a little bit easier, like learn to say no more often, which I think I've, I've been pretty good at for, for several years. But um, at, at a lot of what I didn't say no for came at the expense of other things that bring me joy. Um, but I was just constantly on go, 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 go. And in this survival mode. Um, because I don't have anybody to fall back on financially. I don't have, um, my family lives on the East coast. So I'm, I'm, I'm out here just kind of doing my thing professionally, um, and building my own generational wealth and, 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 and a lot of the stuff I didn't have. So a lot of learning has come, um, from, from all of these issues that I'm talking about and how to manage them is still ongoing and I'm learning every day better and better. But I think the best uh, strategy that I've adopted, especially recently, is taking time for reflection. Um, in writing my book, I think that's the first time I actually actively did that, um, where it was interesting because in the in the several iterations of, of the book, the first time I wrote the book from cover to cover, it was a uh, matter of fact, such an engineer approach. It was like, this is it. This is what happened. This is when it happened. This is how it happened. Um, 
moving on, moving on, moving on. And so this was very uh, timeline-based. Um, and as we iterated through the several versions, there was way, there is now in the final version, way more focus on reflection. Um, and I realized how beautiful that was because in writing down my story, which I recommend to everyone, even if you don't, you're not going to publish it, write, write your life story down and take the time to reflect. You start recognizing who did incredible, who, who, who had sacrifices for you? What happened in your surroundings that affected what, what decisions were taken by family? Um, how did others impact your life? How did you impact theirs? Uh, what were you going through in this particular period of time? This reflection is so important. Taking the time to, to, to sit with your thoughts and your feelings mm -hmm. and, and, and understand where you're at and why you're there. I think that's the hard thing to ask is why are you at that moment feeling a certain thing about a particular event and then working through it as, as that may seem to you. So I think, yeah, reflection is important. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it makes quite a difference also as how you're going to, once you're done with that reflection, approach the rest of your life as in, if this is where I'm at because of all of these things, how do you feel and how do you want to feel in the future for the rest of your life? Exactly. Um, exactly. And so throughout your life, um, college, now in the work field, um, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? I think so. I think that naturally happens, especially in periods of transition. Okay. Um, in, and I'm going to be very blunt. Um, something I've struggled with my full life, and this is something I've recently unpacked through therapy and through a lot of writing and in, in, in my own inner work. Um, in my particular specific case, and I think this is what happens with a lot of engineers, and they're not going to admit this. Okay. Um, over the years, a defense mechanism that I developed, and I developed it because... I came from a low-income background. It's it's interesting, and I, I talk a little bit about this in my book. Um, I carried myself with a lot of arrogance and even put my ego ahead of myself. So when I think about imposter syndrome, I don't know if I've ever actually felt like I don't belong because of anything. My particular approach for so many years has been like, of course I belong. I'm better than half these people i stand out here um and for me that 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 developed in my childhood and into high school and even into some of college because it's the way i thought i could break through the lack of material stuff right like i i, okay. I didn't have a phone for the longest time i didn't have uh, uh when i moved to new york city from puerto rico um in puerto rico we had uniforms in, in school. So like when I showed up to New York, I had zero sense of style, like in anywhere form. And yeah. most of the stuff that I owned was from thrift shopping, which is like now cool. Um, but back then, like I was definitely like judged for it. I didn't have, you know, I think I had like two pairs of shoes in high school or like in middle school in that transition period. Um, and like just a few pairs, like two or three pairs of jeans or something like that. Um, so people attempted to bully me for that. 
And my response was like, please, you're an idiot. Like your grades suck. Like, and that, and, and I carried myself with that for, 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 yeah. for many years, um, which in a way I'm, I'm very grateful for because it did protect me from a lot of people and a lot of bad experiences. But as an adult now where I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. Um, I, I am safe in myself. I am safe in my surroundings. I have created my own inner safety. I don't need to carry myself with arrogance in any way or form. I, 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 I don't have to put my ego ahead of anything. And, and that's something that I have been working through many years because I've struggled with, but now that I know why I've been like this, it, it yeah. has helped me truly, uh, D develop this sense of humility and it leads to a bunch of other things. Um, so I, I can't openly speak for moments of uh, uh, where I've, I've felt imposter syndrome, but on the other hand, I have worked with people that have. Yeah. And uh I always make sure to to create reassurance, to create some sense of safety. I think that's really difficult to do, by the way, um, especially if someone opens up in some way or form, or you tell that there's some degree of insecurity that that they feel like they don't belong. Um, perceiving that is really hard to do, right? Because I think a lot of us engineers will close up and be like, "This person doesn't know what they're talking about." Oh, this person is just like clearly struggling and like. Yeah. Who cares about them? Like they're wasting my time. Um, but if you seek clarity from for, for for what that person may be going through, um, and you have these discussions, and and all of a sudden they open up and, and tell you like, hey, like struggling because people aren't helping me because people uh, are criticizing me for not knowing something that I should know when really I I should be learning this in some way or form. I should build mentorship with someone. Then you can tell them like, hey, you know, maybe here are some different approaches. Know that these are these struggles are common. You're not the only person going through this kind of struggle. Connect with the mentor. Here's someone I know in my network that can help you out um, in, in whatever it is you need help with. That is an active practice that I hold for okay. sure. Um, I, I, I fortunately haven't well, not fortunately, but because of the way I've carried myself, I haven't gone through that on my own. And I, I think I don't necessarily know how to empathize too well with folks that have gone through um, uh, imposter syndrome, but at the very least, I'm very conscious of it and I can offer compassion, right? Which I think are two very different things. Yeah. Um, it's like, I, I can't necessarily put myself in your shoes because I, I haven't been through it. Um, I'm aware of the source of the struggle for the person and what that may mean. But let me actually offer up myself in in some in some service uh, if mm -hmm. if the person wants that so that they can improve in whichever way they want. Yeah. no, that's yeah. I think that's very valuable. Um, I think sometimes, well, sometimes, it can be difficult because you don't know what people are actually wanting. Maybe they're just wanting to tell you everything, express maybe just rant, and they just want you to listen and no opinions. Um, but right. sometimes, sometimes they do want an opinion. Sometimes they're asking for help, and 
I mean, in this case, at least the simple act of acknowledging and um, making it present, hey, I hear you, yep. um, can go a really long way. Yep. Do you think? Do you think that we as engineers expect too much from our career and thus too much from ourselves? Um, maybe. I think it depends. It depends. Okay. Um, I think it depends on the individual where those expectations are coming from. I think that's a lot of inner work and inner reflection people need to really think about. Um, it's like, am I setting up these expectations for myself? Why? Um, and really go down the five whys. Like, why is a career important to you? Is something that really you know people need to explore. Um, more often than not, I think, and I'm learning this with a lot of my friends and a lot of people, and and even with myself a bit. Um, the career path we choose at 18 may not be the one I want at 30. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm about to turn 30. Um, and why, and what does it mean? Should I be exploring some other paths? Can I still, don't get me wrong. I really like what I'm doing. Can I still somehow incorporate what I'm currently doing into these new unexplored paths? And what may that mean for me in the future? Um, career paths aren't necessarily linear. I think today, nowadays, mm -hmm. um, we've learned to understand or we've come to some kind of understanding that careers are supposed to be linear because that was the truth for our parents and the generation before our parents um that linear path that many people took uh brought financial safety brought emotional safety brought some kind of structure into people's lives that now a days we may be able to reshape and reform um, because one of the beautiful things of the digital world is that there, there are so many options, so many things that you, so many pathways that you can take. Um, it's one of the really great things I think about COVID is that it's opened up a digital economy like never before and moving forward with things like AI. There's just so much that's we can't even fully envision right now how the world is going to change within the next year, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of people are exploring that. Um, so understanding why a career might be important to you is 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 something that you need to sit down and think about and write about. Um, and it's one of those things. Check in again five years from then check in again or whatever the period may be for, for for folks, three years, two years, whatever, check in constantly and keep asking yourselves that question. Why am I doing what am I doing? Do I love what I'm doing? Is there something else I want to explore? Wait a second. I think there is. Um, and, 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 and take the time to talk to mentors, find mentors, explore um, podcasts, books, whatever, um, that may help you shape up how you move forward. Yeah. And do you think, so you're most likely um, more knowledgeable on this, um, but I think I've commonly heard that at least in the Hispanic community, um, at least past generations, maybe your parents or older generations um, don't really know how to deal with mental health or maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you are uh, suffering from anxiety or um, depression, a lot of these 
ups and downs in everyone's uh, just emotional life. And a lot of people, a lot of times his, the Hispanic community kind of is blind to it or pushes it off to the side or like, you're not depressed. Like, you're okay. Just, I don't know, get some energy. How do you think, what are your perspectives on that? First clarify, do you agree with that? And then if so, how would you advise um, for people to approach those situations? Yeah, it's a very difficult theme to navigate with family and the respective support networks. I think I, I actually give a workshop on growth mindset in the context of Latinx culture. Um, and to what I was just saying, by the way, previously before before we move into this point, because it, it just it just brought brought a thought. Um, this whole idea of careers, right, especially with us. Um, Hispanic folks, there's that saying, right? Um, or there's that general culture of keeping your head down and just do your job and things will be fine, right? Yeah. These are very cultural, these are beliefs that are really in, instilled in us from uh, a very young age. And, and it's in our sayings, right? Like the whole calladito te es más bonito, <laughs> right? Like th these are things we carry ourselves with that mean just like do as you're told at the end of the day there's there's a degree of that to degree of control that comes from our culture um and breaking away from that is very hard right because our entire lives we've we've been told certain things like that you know, keep your head down um when in reality you really need to advocate for yourself and and um and 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 check in with yourself and ask yourself the tough questions that we've been talking about. And along the lines, right. I think mental health and ment mental fitness has been such a taboo topic because God forbid you take time to reflect on the things that matter to you like that. Forget about it. You're supposed to be working. You're supposed to be contributing to the family. I did that for us. I like, yeah. right. Coming from our parents, like, I had to let go of everything so that you can have safety. I, and, and that's the truth. A lot of our parents, you know, sacrificed a lot for us. And that's not something we should take for granted either. Um, but the, especially, the, mm -hmm. I'd but, say especially for those um, kids of immigrant parents, I think that's where it's right. Right. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kid, kid of immigrant parents. I am, I am one myself. I am an immigrant myself. Um, where so much was sacrificed for our own well-being, although that is something that was incredibly selfless of them. At the end of the day, we need to learn how to take the steering wheel for ourselves at some point. And those are difficult conversations to have because that means that you may do, you may take actions that your family is not going to agree with. And that's very difficult and very, and, 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 and some people decide to deal with it. Some people, they may not because they may be under these tough power dynamics with their family members um, that don't provide safety for them to navigate their own life. Um, and a lot of that comes from trauma and mental health and mental fitness discussions that need to happen. Um, because our parents weren't necessarily the most aware to those things. I've been fortunate because my mom, my mom was a teacher 
uh, in her career and she was a counselor and she has a master's in psychology. So th- th- there's some struggles I had to navigate, but, but these things haven't necessarily been taboo topics in my specific life, but I understand how that, um, may be in other people's lives. Um, they're difficult conversations to have, but they must be had at some point. And I think right now, especially I'm, I'm going through, through, um, several family members with cancer, um, not taking for granted these discussions, especially while you have people around, um, because I think it's really easy. It's really easy to build resentment with someone for some reason. Um, obviously, you know, in the context of abuse where if that's the case with someone, then, then sometimes it is better to cut off people and just like let things go in some way or form and focus on yourself. But, but if you have people that you may have struggled with in the past or mental health hasn't been important for them, mental fitness is just something they don't really think about. Um, and it's affected you in some kind of way and you want to build the relationship with that family member and keep it strong and, and, and strengthen it even, um, approach those conversations from a perspective of learning and developing understanding where it's not just for yourself, but truly it's to, to understand why a person may be the way they are or why they refuse to approach their mental fitness. They're, 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 people love to just hide their shit and not, yeah. uh, not tackle it and not confront it. Um, and having some talks where you approach things with, with compassion, again, that word compassion is so important, um, may help them in some way or form. And ultimately that helps you with that relationship. Um, these topics are really hard to bring up. There's no right or wrong. Uh, but as long as you bring up these topics of, of mental health, mental fitness, with compassion, I think you'll end up in a better place. I just went through that over the last mm-hmm. year with a lot of my family members again because I was writing this book and I I, I needed to be factual and look for clarity. Um, I had conversations I don't think I would have had until maybe way later way later on without asking and having the tough questions of like, hey, I remember this happening this way. This is how I lived it, but but can you tell me more about what led you to this decision and what went through your mind when, when you were going through this, like what, what, what was going on? And it's been a period of forgiveness between not just myself, but other family members as well, that I forced the conversation on them because I was just like, Hey, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need to know about this for my book. I can't just be writing uh, some lies in here. Um, and that was beautiful. Um, but they were very tough conversations to have and, and not all the details are going to be in the book, but um mm very powerful moments that I've experienced over the last year that I think can only happen through conversation uh, with approaching those conversations with compassion. I see. I see what you're saying. No, I, I definitely do agree in that. Um, talking, talking with people, it's, it's the only way to actually get clarity and it certainly can be hard, um, difficult if there has, if if you and that person are people that kind of like, crash a, a little bit um based on different perspectives or just backgrounds um so I think it's 
definitely requires a little bit of bravery sometimes, um, but it can come a long way. Courage and is was, not an easy thing for yeah. sure. <laughs> and I was going to ask, um, I guess, so you have your books and you do a lot of, you've been in podcasts. What are, are these the, um, what are some other ways in which you look at sharing what you typically know with other people? And what drives that sharing? Why? As, um, is it to educate or? Uh, no, it's a great question. So I think I, I, all of this started with my active participation in SHIP. And um, that's the truth. At, at the time at Michigan, we had some wonderful leaders. Uh, so I had some incredible mentors, uh, Paul Arias, Mauro Rodriguez, um, grad students, uh, Hector, and some other folks, my peers as well, Dr. M. Um, from the fr from the beginning, from the get-go, it, it was always about leaving the world in a better place than you found it. Mm -hmm. um, in some way or form, that is what drove us to schools, to do presentations, to other chapters, to lead workshops and, and um, help other chapters develop strategy in, in our time. And I'm assuming right now, our yeah. chapter was really, uh, really strong in that perspective. And, and, and we really knew how to execute on whatever strategy we had developed in the summer and, and, and passing on that information was super important. Um, and, and, and this idea of extending a hand was just instilled in me from the get-go because I like to think of the barrel monkeys analogy. I, I, don't, I think I saw this in a TED talk at some point. It came came back up recently in a in topic of conversation um, where not only am I, you know, always extending upwards and, 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 and looking for help and guidance and mentorship, but while I do that, I'm also trying to reach the other way and pass on the information. And as I'm being raised, raise others with me. Yeah. Um, it, it's incredibly fulfilling to do that because it is a, it is a powerful way of leaving the world in a better place than you found it. Uh, did that through talks, did that through um, workshops at schools, the ship junior that we had, um, Noche de Ciencias with our own members and our own training, mentor-mentee relationships. Uh, in my case, a lot of those developed to lifelong friendships uh, yeah. to this day. Um, going to convention, doing workshops, like being the one to lead the workshops. Nila was huge. I, I, I participated once and then I was actively involved in the development of the curriculum for like eight years um, podcast interviews, putting yourself out there, telling people your story in a way that they can relate to and, um, hopefully inspire people in some way or form, whatever that may be, uh, can be done through ship and outside of ship too, but, but those were ways in which I actively engaged in, and still do in, in, in these topics. Okay. That's really nice to hear. And yeah. I'm just out of curiosity, I guess. So you mentioned, um, I guess I'm wondering who, who else was like a source of support. I know you mentioned that 
your mom's degree was also like helpful in like having that relationship was there anyone else aside from like mentors you had in college oh i mean the the reality is the the chosen family okay i i was fortunate i was part of mstem so that made it really easy to to build the family like the the the, su the summer before freshman year and then moving forward um were you by any chance in mstem or know about it m engine no, now no knowledge about it okay um wait there's there's they're still around right like have you heard of them? i i mean they they probably still are around they and are. i just haven't like okay. paid much attention okay because well mstem back back in our time mstem directly fed people into ship into nesby so um and sweet too so a lot of us that were in mstem went into these organizations and then like we hung out on okay. our own times and like we there was a lot of exchange of ideas so it's because of the way we were doing things, both from SHIP and MSTEM, it was just like these these programs just like fed each other for many years. But anyways, the chosen family, the friends. Yes. Um, huge. For many of us out-of-state students, uh, we we just built our family with the friends around us. Okay. Um, mentors, very important. Um, professors that you may be able to build a relationship with are incredibly rewarding um peer advisors there there are many places and, and in some cases for some people even some of the spiritual support like a lot of students would go to church and have that some degree of spiritual support there as well um th there are various places to seek out wisdom that that's truly what this is all about it's like you're you have multiple sources of wisdom. Some people will call it your um, your round table, um, whatever structure you want to name it. But it's it's about having the mentors, the advocates, the peers that you can surround yourself by. I'm a true believer of uh, going back to our cultural context. Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres, right? Like, sí. uh, tell me, tell me who you're with, and I'll tell you who you are. You truly become an average of the people you surround yourself by, um, and and something I I am incredibly grateful for. I like to call myself the dumb one in the group. Okay. Most of my friends have PhDs, MBAs from Harvard. They, 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 like these are these are some incredibly successful, uh, ambitious people, and then here's little me. Um, and I cherish these, you know, <laughs> the I cherish space stuff. <laughs> I cherish these relationships so much because they inspire me every day. Um, you, you get that wisdom from all these people, you get the inspiration and the push. And oftentimes you get the shoulder to cry on the ears to vent to, um, the, the, the bouncing board to get ideas, you know, socialized in some way or form. Um, your family, I haven't mentioned family, uh, you know, in my case, outside of my mom, you know, now more than before, uh, I've leaned into many of them and, 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 and their, their experiences. Um, but there are various sources of wisdom is what I'm trying to say. And, and, and there is a bit of active work that needs to be done, right? Like these things mm -hmm. don't just happen for you. Um, you have to go and find these friends in some way or form and whatever, you know, you have to go find these mentors. You have to yeah. reach out to people. And I think the, the, the key skill necessary there is knowing when to ask for help and there's no shame in asking for help. Um, reaching 
out to people is so incredibly important and really and, and necessary to to move forward yeah okay no thank you so much for answering that um i guess you've answered so many of my questions and um at the moment i can't think of anything else but i would like to open it up to if there's any other thoughts or advice you'd like to share um, with any of our watchers yeah i think practicing gratitude is another very important thing that i haven't really talked about all that much um but in those periods of check-ins and reflection and even daily i challenge people to do that daily is to practice gratitude um and even going as far of you know send people that text like hey i call them whatever communicate with them hey i noticed you did this for me or i noticed you took this leap of faith i noticed um you opened up about something thank you for that thank you for 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 bringing me the joy uh of of sharing that with me and that honor of of sharing that space with me i think these these moments are incredibly special and actively practicing that is not as easy as i'm saying it but 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 make taking the time at the very least to write down two or three things you're grateful for your day the next step to that is like then telling the people around you um thank you for whatever they may have helped you with i think these are very important practices to have on a daily basis because at the end of the day it does bring a lot of happiness as well to you yeah. as an individual um and aside from that if you haven't done therapy go find a therapist um it's important even if you are in a in in a good quote unquote you know in a good place um they may help you unpack a lot of the things that you haven't tackled in your your own reflection so i highly recommend therapy for a variety of reasons uh but it does create inner safety which is so incredibly important cuz no one can take that away from you mm-hmm. um practice mindfulness that can mean very different things to different people uh practice joyful movement whatever whatever exercise sounds great and brings you happiness to to go do it for people that's lifting for some people that's dancing mm-hmm. uh for me it's kickboxing and boxing um the lifting i got to do cuz i got to do it but uh truly i, I really I really enjoy punching things not people not people you know <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that aggressive but i, I love uh, punching bags um something i've picked up recently is the wim hof method and i've been doing ice plunges if you haven't looked into that i recommend it it's kind of crazy people think i'm crazy uh but dipping your body in ice is is oh okay <laughs> incredible for a variety of things um but it's a full sensory experience and it's like it forces you to be in the moment um cuz you got no choice it's like oh right. i'm freezing <laughs> now um it, it's it's i love it it's hard it's hard it's not it's not any easier every time i do it it's 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 a hard thing to do i've i've recently embraced meditation as well um there's great apps out there for this calm headspace whatever whatever that may be for some people meditation may be prayer um but basically forcing you to be present to check in with your body physically at that moment it can range from a minute to 10 minutes whatever that may mean but it it does help you get grounded 
um, and then practicing that actively throughout the day, it, it kind of becomes part of how you carry yourself. So it's something I tr I'm, I'm, I'm learning and, and actively trying out. Um, yeah, help others. Extend a hand when you can. I think that's it. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, really, really beautiful advice. Thank you. I now, guess... if we want to talk about Mars, that's a whole other topic. If we oh. want to talk about spaceships and space systems, maybe for another day. <laughs> I will have to. I will have to bring you for a second episode <laughs> because that's. Um, I think it's very fascinating and. I, I'm personally interested in space. I'm studying computer science and engineering, nice. but I'm I am interested in space, especially with um I think everything Blue Origin has been doing and like the Artemis launches that are going on. I think it's really really fascinating. Um, they're hiring plenty of flight software engineers right now. So if you haven't already like reached out for internships, definitely go and see if there's any recs open because I know we need them. At Blue Origin, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I will look into them. I'll definitely be looking into them. Um, Blue Origin was at the conference for Ship National this year. That's right. And I don't know if they're there every year, but I, I saw them and it was really nice seeing the whole team there. Got a couple of stickers and <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, I'll bring you back for another episode. I'm down. I'm space. down. I'm down. And, and then a similar story, I'll open myself up uh, for the chapter. If I can be of any kind of support, ha happy to be back, happy to do something virtually. I'm actually going to be the keynote speaker for La Celebración Latina on, uh, on April 28th. Um, so I'll be in town. Oh, okay. uh, I'm going to see how long, but I'm, I'm going to be in town at least for that. It's my very last outreach event before I turn 30, because I turn 30 on the 30th of April. Uh -huh. So that's going to be like the last thing I do. Then I fly back to LA and I'm going to have a whole party weekend with a lot of people. <laughs> that's fascinating. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to close the chapter too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited for that. Well, I think I'm I'm 100% sure that the chapter would love to have you as a speaker. Um, and I will coordinate that. With the, since Happy you are part it. of the alumni network, I will be emailing you about that and the chapter sure. can be looking forward to it. Sure, and, sure. Well, I guess that's that's all I have. Um, but before we go, I do want to thank you for being on this episode. Again, you shared a lot of insightful advice and um, I know it's going to be very beneficial to everyone. It's been already impacting to me just having this conversation with you. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for, for, for having this space for me. And, and, and I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm truly admiring the, the wisdom that you bring and even, you know, so early on in your undergrad, you're like looking for these classes, not just outside of, not just within your technical realm, but, you know, extending yourself outwards um, and, and being an incredible leader. I think that's, that, that's really what Thank this you. feeds into. So um, I'm excited for you and, and, and your career and what's, what's to happen. Keep me updated. I will. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. No, thank you so much. And I guess for our listeners out there, if you have any requests for future uh, podcast topics, you can reach at shipuofm.eboard at gmail.com. Make sure to stay tuned. Our next episode will be with a inspiring ship tier. So until then, go blue.